Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and stay with us. Coming up later in the show, Fargo City Commissioner Tony Garrett is going to join us. There's going to be a vote Monday night in the city of Fargo to rescind, rescind the mayor's emergency powers. The mayor, maybe unintentionally, but may have misled the people of Fargo at a recent Fargo City Commission meeting. We're going to show you exactly what I'm talking about later in the show. First, we start the night, though. Earlier today, I had a great conversation with Senator Kevin Kramer. We talked about the recent COVID relief bill. Are you and I going to get some Trump bucks or not? Stick around for that part of the conversation. Plus, we talk about North Dakota joining the Texas lawsuit going to the Supreme Court in regards to the 2020 election. Senator Kramer, welcome back to Point of View. Love the logo behind you, by the way. So thank you very much for that. A lot to discuss. I want to start with this just because the FDA had their uh, COVID vaccine hearing today regarding the uh, Pfizer vaccine. Just the most obvious question to you, when it's available and you're able to take it, are you going to take this vaccine? Um, I certainly won't be early in the process, Chris. I, I don't think I ought to be. Um, you know, they have a, a strategy for that. Uh, they, you know, going after making sure that our most vulnerable and, of course, our healthcare workers uh, are taken care of first. I, I frankly am not in a, a, a situation where I really uh, would need it for quite some time. I don't think, given again my age, my health, um, you know, all the other factors that fit in. So, and besides that, Chris, I mean, and I think this gets more to the point of your question. I'm not a big vaccine guy. I, I've never taken a flu shot. Uh, the only people I know who've ever gotten the flu got it from taking a shot. And I know people deny that, but it's just not a coincidence. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I'm not paranoid, but I'm also not anxious to, um, you know, to take a vaccine for something that we know so little about. No, thank you for being so candid. You, know, you talk to people in the medical world and they're like, oh, we've got to take the vaccines. And then I'm like, well, and, you know, and so anyways, I just wanted to see where you're at with that. So the people in North Dakota know. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the COVID relief bill that you guys are trying to negotiate out. And I, I got to start with this because I hear it all the time. I know you do as well. People right now are struggling, paying rent, paying mortgage, putting food on the table. And yet the conversation coming out of D.C. as of late is that there's no stimulus checks in here. I, I heard one of your colleagues, Senator Bill Cassidy, over the weekend say, well, you know, this is a relief bill, not a stimulus bill. So we right. need a separate bill for the 1200 bucks. I'm thinking we all need relief. What's he talking about? So is there going to be direct payments in the bill that gets passed eventually, we hope? Um, there may very well be, Chris. I don't think that that will be part of any bill we pass in the next couple of weeks prior to Christmas. But, it, I, you know, everybody's bracing themselves for another another round of this after the first of the year when there's new Congress. And uh, but in the short run, the bills, the two bills that have been, you know, in the on the table and they're being negotiated. Um, neither one of those two bills has direct payments. It's more focused on health care, the vaccine, education, local, state governments. And, and, and there, there may be some direct payments if the mayors and governors want to do that. And then unemployment benefits and um, then small business uh, assistance is, is kind of the main focus. I can hear our audience, Senator, saying, and I'm not directing this at you, but all of your colleagues who, who are you all listening to, to not put direct payments in this bill? It's $908 billion. And the fact that you can't put another 1200 or 600 bucks of direct payments in a 900, like who are you listening to that you're going, yeah, I don't think we need to put another direct payment in there. Sure. Well, first of all, there's limited resources, but people should know that of the 908 billion that's being talked about, um, 160 billion of that is the, uh, 
direct payments to states and local governments. And that's one of the most hotly disputed pieces to the point where uh, Mitch McConnell, the, the majority leader, actually thinks we should take it out. The other, the other real controversial piece of it is liability reform for you know, universities and schools and healthcare um, providers and small businesses, large businesses, uh, a temporary relief there. And that's what's the most difficult pill for Democrats to swallow. And so at this point, you know, they're talking about taking that out in, in that 160, $160 billion. But what, what's important about that is that there's really about $600 billion now that's left over from the CARES Act that's un, you know, unspent that would be rolled into this. So if it's, let's just say it's a $908 billion bill. I mean, you're, you're talking about a net increase of $308 billion at that point. Now, I do not want to under, you know, undervalue $308 billion, but um, in, in the context of things, it's not nearly as much as some people might think. So we've been fortunate to be able to get some of that money back from the Treasury Department or and, and Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve and uh, excess PPP funds, for example. Uh, so, so I think there's some room there, but the unemployment benefits are pretty high priority for a lot of folks, as is the small business relief. And then, of course, money for the distribution of a vaccine and, and other treatments. Do you support the financing for the state and local governments? Um, okay, so that's a great way to put the question. It would not be in a package that I would come up with if I was the king. And it's never been in the package that twice got 52 votes, you know, 52 Republican votes. The problem is, is, of course, our founders created this system where it's really hard to pass things and we need Democrats. And so the 160 billion, am I willing to vote for a bill that has it? Yes, I am. Would it be my highest priority? It'd be my lowest. Um, and I would trade that for certainly for direct payments any day, any day. So I'm, I'm sorry. So you would trade, you would say, hey, I'd like to have direct payments and not bail out because I got to tell you, it's going to burn people if you're suggesting that I'm going to use my tax dollars to now bail out Minneapolis because they couldn't do their job to protect their city. But yet there's not going to be any direct payments. That, that's going to make people just go, wait a second. It would, Chris, but remember that the alternative is not to have a bill. The alternative is not to have $300 a week extra uh, for unemployment insurance, not to have you know another $300 billion for small business loans, not to have forgiveness for people that have already you know, gotten a uh, paycheck protection loan, not to have you know, the money for the vaccines and the treatments and healthcare providers. And so so it's, it's never quite as easy. None of this is ever done in a vacuum. It's all a negotiation. Amen to that. So with that being said, I think I've asked you this before, but I didn't realize there was $600 billion left in the CARES Act. Since that money has already been allocated, doesn't President Trump have any authority to do an executive order and just tell Mnuchin to, to send out the payments? Um, if he could, he would have. Okay. All right. And, and, and so, no, he doesn't. The one thing the founders did make really clear in our, founder, in our, in our Constitution is that all appropriating has to start with Congress. And, yeah. and, and frankly, in, in the CARES Act, a lot of things are buttoned down pretty tight. Okay. White House proposal does have $600 in direct payments. Is that dead on arrival? I don't know that it is, Chris. I mean, one thing about it, you know, we can negotiate and we have hearings and we have, have um, you know, the, the, the ad hoc committees as well as the standing committees and all this debate swirls around and you read about it and you hear about it and you watch it play out. But at the end of the day, there'll be, you know, basically four corners and the president 
that will negotiate what we what gets voted on, and and what gets voted on will likely be based somewhat on what's both passable and then what's the president's willing to sign. The problem is when you get to that point, when you've negotiated the best deal you can get, whether you're Nancy Pelosi or or Chuck Schumer or or, or Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell or, or Donald Trump for that matter, when you've negotiated that down to to whatever you can get done, then you're confronted with a you know. A, a choice of yes or no, and it would be hard to imagine that they end up being a no at that point. Yeah, so something will get done. It needs to. So I know also you've got to fund the government too. And then, with that being said, how is that going? And then you've got this uh, win tax credit situation. What's happening there? So good question. So with, with regard to funding the government, we'll likely pass the continuing resolution today for a week, which that means it it just extends existing appropriations for another week. So the government will run at the same level for a week, um, during which time we'll continue to negotiate the final appropriation for the rest of the fiscal year. And, you know, that's getting pretty close to being done, Chris. But what's important about that is that's that's what we call in this town a, a must-pass uh, bill. And that's why you'll see when the COVID relief package gets close to, you know, done, it will become part of that larger package and that changes the formula again because all of a sudden there you have hmm i wanted this in the covid bill um, but i didn't get it but they need that over in the big you know on the spending bill so maybe i have a little more negotiating leverage so so that's why these things can get complicated at this point um it'll be driven somewhat by the calendar as well as um you know by the size of the package but i think those two things, the COVID relief and the year-end spending bill, will get tied together, I believe, and they will be something that we'll take up next week. And the win tax credits will stay? Well, okay, so great point. Not if I can help it. <laughs> so here, here's what I, I, I would tell you, Chris, the production tax credit, or the wind tax credit, as you call it, back in the 90s when they invented this uh, atrocity, they assured us, they assured us that they, they would never need an extension. They just need to start up, just need a little, you know, get it, get, get, get going to be competitive in the marketplace. And now, of course, here we are decades later and they still are whining about it, still whining that it's been a gross distortion to market, to price, um, to, to uh, you know, innovation, frankly, in, in clean coal technologies, natural gas, all of those things. So, no, I'm, a, I'm a strongly opposed to it, but I will tell you, Chris, once again, I've learned to never say what you'll never do because there might be other things I do want. And that's how 535 people negotiate a really weird bill. <laughs> that's fair. Amazing how taxes never seem to be rescinded. I just can't quite figure that one out. Um, or credits. These crime is just anyways, let's talk about this. The latest on the 2020 election. I mean, there's so much information flying around. For me, at least, it's hard to keep it all straight. So let's just start with the basics. Um, Texas now filed this lawsuit to go to the SCOTUS. And then yesterday, North Dakota ended up um, signing on with it. I just want to get your take on that. Good move or bad move by Wayne Stengem? Well, it was a very good move by the Attorney General, uh, Attorney General Stengem. I did talk to him yesterday. I wasn't surprised that he did it. Um, I was more curious about how many phone calls he was getting. And what's funny about that, Chris, is I didn't even know. I mean, I, I just, I presumed. So I called him. I said, I can't imagine. He, he sure enough, he told me. Anyway, all of that said, I think it was a very smart move on his part. And, and I think it was a smart move on Texas' part. And I think it's a smart move on all of the states that joined it and for the president. Because it's the one way, and when I say the one way, joining a state in other states under, you know, under a constitutional question 
is the one way that if the Supreme Court takes it up, it can originate in the Supreme Court. That's critical because if you go through the normal appeals process, the only record that's developed is the record that's created down at the lower courts. And the Supreme Court doesn't have the opportunity to hear from new witnesses or to hear firsthand information or, or seek discovery. Um, they're just dealt with whatever the previous judge hands them. Uh, and, and the only regret, I would say, is that it didn't happen a couple of weeks ago. But um, we are where we are. And, you know, the inauguration day is not until January 20th. Um, even though next week the, the uh, you know the elected the electoral college will have its uh, vote, this is this is I think a very good move on everybody's part, and I certainly hope that the Supreme Court will at the very least take the issue up. And Chris, we don't know what the remedy is. It, maybe the remedy won't be something that I want or, or that you know uh, Trump supporters want. We don't know that, but let's at least find out and let's have a hearing on neutral turf. The other thing I just added to that, you know, a lot of times it's easy to get really upset with a, a Republican in one of these swing states that's defending their state's honor. And um, and I think, well, how do you watch that video, for example, if you're the, if you're the uh, uh, you know, elections officer or secretary of state in Georgia and not be concerned? Well, our instinct sometimes is to stand up for our brother or stand up for our state in this case out of some sort of patriotic duty. Um, the Supreme Court provides that neutral ground, I think, to have this discussion. In this case, I mean, how do you potentially see this playing out? Yeah, it's a great point because, as, as they say, that the runway is pretty short right now, and and the clock does matter. The calendar does matter, and uh, so you know there would have to be enough evidence in enough states that would, you know, possibly cause a pause in, for example, the electoral college, and then get further information because. For example, if the one remedy in in, uh, in Pennsylvania is you have to throw out all the ballots that that appeared after after um, election day, which is their law, which they changed, although not through the right process, through the constitutional process. You know, I think then you, you do that and you, you, you recount it, and that that may or may not overturn the election. In Wisconsin, of course, the issue is similar but a little different because there they they had blanket um, vote by mail, something that. As you know, you and I talked about beforehand, it's a good question. So and the nice thing, and the reason I bring those two cases up is because the facts aren't in dispute. What's in dispute is whether the facts support the Constitution or the law. Um, in, in places like Nevada, uh, where a lot of dead people seem to be voting and you know, a lot of other things, you know, that might be a little more difficult because you might have to go ballot by ballot. And, and the same in Georgia, where you have, you know, they really should be doing a, a signature cross-check and, and, and reconciliation, they didn't do that. Um, we don't know if it's 10 or 10,000 or 20,000. So the remedy wouldn't be known right away. If if the Supreme Court were to overturn this election, it just seems like this country would, would melt down. Yeah, but what's more important, getting it right or getting it done on time? As always, thank you so much to Senator Kramer for his time and insight there. And stay with us when we come back. Fargo City Commissioner Tony Gary is going to show you why they might. They might rescind the mayor's emergency powers at Monday night's Fargo City Commission meeting. As always, please share your point of view with us. It's very easy to do. You can email us. You can text us. Leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back. 